Well, it's good to see many of you. Many of you I don't know. Many of you I do know. Uh, probably our greatest years in ministry were here uh, with Brother Fred, with you at Cottage Hill. Now to follow you at Luke 418. And it's an honor and a privilege for me to be here. And I'll never take lightly standing behind this sacred desk. I know the man that uh, has stood here often. I've known him and loved him a long, long time. He's cast a long shadow over our lives. And I mean it. In fact, I remember when God moved him to Cottage Hill, um, you know, we thought, uh, man, the Lord moved out. But we found out that God didn't move out at all. It soon moved us to Birmingham. And who would have known that we would have been here one day for those years with you? Wonderful years that were there. And I'm so grateful. Good to see Ed again. And, of course, be here with so many SLs, so many of you that I've gotten to, to see again. And I'm excited today to be here. And it's an honor and a privilege. I'm humbled that Brother Fred would uh, give me this opportunity. And uh, I want you to know, you're in our prayers daily, and we're excited about what God's doing. It's so good to see our guys from uh, Mission of Hope uh, preached out there. Boy, I tell you, it's just good. Jim, good to see you, what you're doing out there. God bless you. Let's open our Bibles to Mark chapter 10, if you will. I'm going to take a familiar passage of Scripture. Come on down to find verse 46. And uh, I just really want to talk to you this morning about coming to Jesus. What does that mean? Come to Jesus. And Brother Fred said this already this morning. uh, Whatever reason you came, the most important thing is not to hear a sermon, not to hear a song. That's well and good. But it's to come to Jesus. That's the one that's going to transform our lives, folks. And if anything's going to happen, it's going to happen because Jesus is the one to do it. Now, I'm going to take a familiar passage of Scripture. going to talk to you this morning about Blind Bartimaeus. I'm reading uh, a biography. It just came out. Uh, it's on Ron Dunn. Uh, Ron Patty Owens uh, put it together, much like uh, what he did on Manly Beasley. And uh, before I left, I left the book, but I had gotten as far that he's got a number of his sermons, but I've just come to the place where he's got the sermon chained to the chariot. And I'm about to read it. But he made a statement, and it kind of resonated with me. He said, you know, I, I had an unusual hobby he developed. And he said it was kind of listening to strange sayings, silly questions people ask, and he'd kind of do that. And I thought, well, you know, it's true. And then I began to think about some of those, and um, I thought, how true that is. And when I think about the question Jesus asked Bartimaeus, you'd almost think quickly that it was kind of a silly question. Uh, Why would he ask a question like that? What do you want me to do? Well, here's a blind man, and what would you expect him to do? Well, that was the reason Jesus asked that question. But what I believe today, and I want to take us back, I think what we're going to see here today is the heart, the foundation of what real prayer is all about. We see the man who was praying, we see the one he was praying to and answers prayer, and we see what God did through those times. That kind of petition has he went to the Lord with that determination and heartbeat that was there. But you ever think about those things? Here's Bartimaeus, and and the story goes like this. The disciples with Jesus were passing through Jericho, and as they left town, Bartimaeus got the word. Somehow he heard that Jesus was passing by. Now, I don't know what Bartimaeus knew about Jesus. I don't know what he heard, but I believe his reputation, Jesus, followed him. Bartimaeus may have talked to another beggar, another blind individual, or somebody that Jesus had healed or mightily changed or transformed. And Bartimaeus knew one thing. He said, listen, I'm blind. I can't see. And I believe that the one passing by named Jesus, if he can do that for them, he can do that for me. And I know whatever it takes, I'm going to get to him. 
And he cried out, Son of David, have mercy on me. And he said, Son of David, have mercy on me. And they said, Shh, come on, you'll embarrass us. You know, we Christians are like that sometimes, aren't we? Somebody will get a little happy at a church, get a little sideways, and we'll say, Shh, man, don't embarrass me. Well, if you don't embarrass Jesus, it really doesn't matter what happens to you. Amen? And so he just he kept on. He never quit. And Jesus stopped and he said, hey, call him to me. And when he called him, old Bartimaeus just kind of nonchalantly, blindly walked over. Is that what happened? No, it said he jumped up, threw his clothes off, and he got to Jesus. And then Jesus asked that question. He said, now, Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do? For you. What do you want me to do for you? Well, that's pretty obvious. He's blind, and he wanted to be healed. And Jesus said, you are. Your faith has made you well. Go. And it says he followed him. And what I want to do today is take a look at that passage. And I want to help you understand, number one, Jesus did not ask a silly question. Some of the things I kind of jotted down. Danny White, when he first game he ever played for the Dallas Cowboys quarterback, he fumbled a ball. And the commentator made an astute comment. He said, well, they didn't want that to happen. Well, that's pretty obvious, you know. I remember Merlin Olson on a Monday night was announcing a football game. It was one of those Monday night games. And one team was way behind getting toward the end of the game. No way they're going to get it. I mean, they're not going to catch up. He makes this statement. He said, you know what the other team needs to do? They need to score a lot of points. Well, that's obvious. That's obvious. I understand that. And I remember Ron Dunn saying this, it was in his book. He said, I was preaching in Arkansas and had finished the sermon, was standing down with a pastor greeting people, and there was a lady who came, and she was obviously great with child, and she made it to the service, wanted to make sure the pastor, and I knew that she made it there. And she came up, she took the pastor by the hand, she took me by the hand, and she looked me in the face, she said, Brother Dunn, I am nine months, two weeks, and three days pregnant, and I want you to know I got here. Well, that was great, and another lady came along at that time, shook their hand, and she looked at the lady who was expecting a child, and she looked at her and she said, hey, you haven't had that baby yet? Well, now, that's obvious, wouldn't you think? I mean, right, wouldn't you think that's pretty obvious? When you see somebody that's got a cast on their arm, what do you think? Did you hurt your arm? Duh. I mean, you know, we think about that, and we think about these kind of silly questions that are there. Well, where have you been? Well, I've been to Ted's funeral. Is Ted dead? Yes. I wasn't out for a walk in the park, and I'm, I'm not trying to be flippant about these things. But when you think about this, and you look at what Jesus said, you would think, well, you know, that's kind of a strange question to ask. I mean, here's a blind man, and why would Jesus ask that question? And obviously, Jesus wouldn't ask a foolish question, but Bartimaeus was blind, and you would think he came to him and obviously wanted to be healed. And it's very interesting when you go over to John chapter 5. You remember by the pool of Bethesda? The story of the attrition was the angel would stir the water, and if you could get the person down there and they touched the water, they would be healed. Remember he passed the man, and the man said, Well, nobody gets me to the water. I didn't make it again. I'm continuing this way. And Jesus said to him, he said, Well, do you want want me to make you whole? Well, you know, you would think that would be a question. Well, Jesus never asked a silly question. Because you see, this is Jesus. He didn't need information. He knew exactly what the situation was. And here he was not trying to take advantage of the person. He was trying to, they were being honest and open. Jesus always had a very real reason for asking that question. Now, put yourself in Bartimaeus' place. You're blind. 
You've been sit there, you're begging all your life, you've never seen the light of day as it would say, so to speak, never knew all that. And here Bartimaeus was there, and obviously he was not having his quiet time because he screamed out, and I believe with a, as loud as he could, Son of David, Son of David, have mercy on me. And you see, the reality was there was a note of expectation. Brother Fred said this, and I'm going to challenge you today. I don't know why you're here. I hope you're here to meet him. Because every time you walk into that door, every time you put your feet on the floor, every time your eyes awake in the morning, you should, as a believer, as a child of God, I know circumstances may not be the best, but as a child of God, there ought to be a note of expectancy. I had the privilege of being with uh, Henry Blackerby just, uh, just a few, about six weeks ago in a, uh, a prayer seminar that was there, and he was sharing a little bit. He's not in the best of health, but he made it. And he, made, he started off the session with this. He said, how many of you gentlemen are writing a book? I said, man, I don't want to write a book. None of us were writing a book. Then he said this. He said, why not? Do you realize that every day the God of the universe wants to speak to you? He has something to say to you, and why in the world are we not writing it down? I had to repent. Because you see, there was not that note of expectancy. Bartimaeus was blind. Bartimaeus knew somehow, some way, whatever it was in his heart, he was expecting that Jesus could make a difference in his life. And let me say something today. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whatever you're going through, Jesus Christ can make a difference in your life. But you've got to trust him. You've got to walk with him. And Bartimaeus was there, and he said, Son of David, have mercy on me. Then Jesus said, and, and you look at this, pick on back up in verse 49. And he said, Now, call him. And they did, and the blind man saying to him, Take heart, get up, he's calling you. And look at this. He said, throwing back or taking off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, well, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want? Now, that's a question. That's a question. But you know, I know what we say today. You say, well, you know, pastor. And I people get me all the time. You know, Jesus doesn't do things the way he used to. He has changed a little bit. I mean, this is a newer day. You know, we're more sophisticated. We have all this. I want to declare to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, my Bible says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he did then, he will do now. Our problem is we don't believe him. We don't expect him to. He's a simple cosmic Santa Claus that when we get in trouble, when we get in need, when we get desperate, what do we do? We call him. Son of David, have mercy on me. This man was blind. He was desperate. He got the place of life. He said, listen, there's expectation in my heart. But look at this, verse 51. Jesus asked him a question. Now look at that question. He said, what do you want me to do for you? Of course, the blind man said, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. Now, that's an unusual question. Remember, remember there by the, the river Jabbok, Jacob sent his family across. He was about to encounter Esau, and we know he spent the night on the other side of the river. We know that he had an encounter with the angel that was there, and I believe it was that pre-incarnate person of the Lord Jesus Christ wrestling with him all night. And he said that he found out he wouldn't prevail, and it was interesting in thing that he asked him, he said, what is your name? Well, he knew his name. What is your name? 
but he wanted to change his name. You see, he wanted to change him from a supplanter to a schemer to Israel, to a new name, a man that would follow God, a man that would be God with that time. So it wasn't just a silly question. And if you ever think about that with that note of expectancy and that question that is there, have you ever wondered how desperate you want something? Now, if you've had children, you know what happens at Christmas time. They sit in front of the box, and they see all the commercials, and they make their list, right? And you know the truth of it is, if they got everything they asked for, you'd have to have a U-Haul trailer, or you'd have to have a semi-truck to get them into place. But they do that. And then when your child comes to you, they'll say, you know, stand there, say, Daddy, I want thus and so. Well, no, you can't really have that. And a lot of times, okay, they walk away. What does that say? They really don't want it that bad. But if they keep standing there, rocking on their feet, looking at you, breathing heavily, hoping, praying, somehow you're going to change your mind. You see, there's a point in their life that that question becomes real. They really want that situation. And I believe here's a man that said, listen, I don't have anything else to lose. I've got all my hopes, my dreams. Jesus Christ is here. What I've heard about him, I may not understand it all, but I know one thing. He can meet my need and somehow he can help me recover my sight. That's what I need, Lord. What do you need today? Honestly, think about it. What do you need today? What are you praying? What are you believing God for today? Old Manly Beasley would call. Brother Fred, I probably did the same thing to you. Manly would call you. Every time he'd see you, you know what he'd always say to you? What are you trusting God for today? And, well, you know, you'd fiddle around and come up with something. Just lied. And finally, you'd say, Brother Manly, I just am not trusting God for anything. I've got to get honest. You know what Manly would say then? He said, good. Now we can get somewhere. We're getting honest with God. What are you believing God for today? What's your need today? And I don't know what that is. What is your need today? And it may be something that may be small to you, but it, yet it is not insignificant where God is concerned. And you see, here, Bartimaeus was just like those kids. He was stubborn, he was persistent, and he wasn't going to give up. They tried to shush him. They, he embarrassed them. They wanted him to be quiet, but he said, no, I'm not going to be quiet. He said, I'm going to do everything I can. It doesn't matter. I don't care who I embarrass. I've got to get to Jesus Christ. And you know what I found out? I have found out those people who want Jesus that bad, they don't care what the crowd says. They just need to get to him. doesn't matter that they are embarrassed. They're not worried about your embarrassment. They want to know one thing. Jesus can meet that need today. There was the question, but there was that expectation that was there in their heart. And you know... Here we are in our life today, and understand one thing. You know, we've prayed a long time for revival, but let's get honest. If revival really came, are you and I really ready for what revival could do and would do? It would change our lives. It would probably wreck our very program. One of the things that I'm concerned about in Cuba now with whatever's happening with all the New Deal, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if prosperity is going to grow there. All I know is right now there is an unbelievable dependency on that island for Jesus because they don't have anything else. They don't have a thing else, and they're trusting him. But you see, sometimes, like we are in America, we don't have to trust God for much, do we? We really don't. 
I mean, look at us tonight. We're sitting here. This is a phenomenal building. Praise God you're in it. But you ever think about this, folks? Most of the world doesn't have this. Most of the world would love to have a meal today. And some of the world today who are believers are standing up. Some of the world today who trust Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior will lay their life on the line for the cause of Jesus Christ. Why would they do that? Because they know one thing and they know it well, that Jesus Christ is their only hope. Not in this life only, but what is to come. What am I trusting in for eternity that is there? So there was that expectancy there. But you know what? He said, what do you really want? Well, there was determination. Because when you look at this, he said he kept on and on and on. Verse 47. He said, and when he heard it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him, I be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. There was great determination. Not only determination, there was desperation. Can I say something? And let me just be as honest, and I'm speaking to myself. I'm not preaching to you. I'm talking to me. What is wrong with us today in our land, in our country, and the reason I'm afraid we do not see God do more of what God does is you and I need to realize, yes, the situation about us is desperate, but the problem is we aren't. We're not desperate. We're not, you know, we're not desperate. We're not, we're not crying out. We're, we're okay. Well, you know, you know that's not going to affect me. You know, I can let it slide. Let me tell you something. It is affecting us. It is affecting us. But I want you to know one thing. Good news is the church is still God's instrument, and it is still God's hope, and is what God's going to do. But he cried out over and over and over. Ron Dunn was with us in uh, Baton Rouge. Shared this with the guys yesterday. Sandy, I can't remember you. But anyway, Kay was there. And, and she said something about some guy on the, was a great pianist. And she said, she said, I would love to be a pianist. I would love to play like that. And Ron said, you're a liar. <laughs> I thought, well, that's brave. He's got to face her by himself sooner or later, but, you know, it's okay. I thought, wow, that's a bold statement. He said, no. He said, but he went on to say the same. He said, no. He said, you know what? We'd like to be, but we don't want to pay the price. Can you imagine the hours and hours and hours that that guy practices. He practices his fingers hurt. He practices over and over and over. And you know, the truth of it is, would we really, would we really do what it takes for God to break through in our lives? Would we really desire to do it? You know, I I go back, Brother Fred and I talked about this, and man, my my mind is just, I think of so many things flooding, but I shared this recently with somebody. I said, you know, when I, when I think of the lineup that God brought across those stage in those years at Cottage Hill, when, when God was just absolutely supernaturally moving, we were a church in revival, didn't know it, didn't even know what to do with it. All we knew was to pray. And I believe the concept of that point was, was not because we had great speakers, it was not because we had a great pastor and preacher, and we did, but the reality was we had people who were desperate for God to do something, just hungry for God to happen. And you know what? God showed up. And God showed up in a special, powerful way because the people were desperate. And I wonder in our lives, what's wrong with us? I believe, 
and, and I, I don't want to be dogmatic, but I believe the original sin, when you look at Adam and Eve, I think really, as much as anything, their original sin resulted because they were lazy and they were slothful. You say, well, why do you say that? Well, you know, what did the devil say? He said, listen, here, eat that fruit. God said, eat that fruit. So if I eat the fruit, then the fruit says, I'll get all this knowledge. I'll get all this ability. I'll get all this thing. I don't have to pay the price. I don't have to study. I don't have to pray. Instantly, I'm full grown and I've got all that stuff. won't have to learn. won't have to study. I won't have to discipline my life. I won't have all those years of learning and all that good stuff. No, 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 no. I'll know it. I'll eat this fruit. Everything's going to be done. Push, pull, click, click, boom. It happened quick. And I believe that's what happened. And because of that, they plunged you and me and the human race into the world. And you see, ever since that time, man has taken the easy way out. And we always want to do it. What did Jesus say about becoming his disciple? What did he say? He said, well, let me remind you a little bit. He said, if you're not willing to leave your father and mother, if you put your hand to the plow... And you look back, fit for my kingdom, if you don't love me more than anything else on the earth, you cannot be my disciple. He did not say you won't be my disciple or you won't make a very good disciple, rather. He said you will not make a disciple. What's he saying? Listen, everything else has to take a second place to me. And I need to be first. And when you put your hand to the plow, don't look back. Go ahead and move on. Keep your focus. You keep coming to Jesus. You know, you go to the doctor, and the doctor punches and pokes and listens and all that stuff. He said, well, let me tell you what. He said, I'm going to tell you what you need to do. He said, you've, you've gotten a little overweight. You're kind of getting a little older. You need to take better care of yourself. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to get some exercise. Four days a week, I want you to walk three miles. Three miles a day, four days a week, and I want you to do it in under 45 minutes. I want you to get eight hours of sleep every night. I want you to eat three balanced nutritional meals that are good and work. You say, whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, isn't there a pill I can take? Isn't there something I can drink? Isn't there a brand new diet plan out there? And there's a million of those things. What can I do? I want to do it the easy way. Well, ladies and gentlemen... It comes on easy. Guess what? It gets off slow. I can pass by it now, and it just jumps on my body. I don't like that, but that's the way it is. We don't burn it up like we used to. And you see, what we're saying is, listen, I'm really not interested in changing my lifestyle. I just want to get fixed. I really don't want to do all that stuff. I don't want to pay that price. You see... Growth, spiritual power, let me ask you a question. How badly do you want it? How badly do you want deliverance? How badly do you want for God to touch your life? How badly do you want to go to bed at night laying your head on a pillow knowing one thing for sure, if I don't wake up in the morning, in heaven I will be. What's the prayer we prayed as little kids? Great theology. Now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. I don't know how many of us would want to pray that. You know, we, we start thinking about it, and, and, you know, the older I get, the closer I get to heaven, the sweeter heaven looks. 
And the reality is there's some sweet investments up there. But how badly did Bartimaeus want his sight? Well, he just wouldn't be quiet. He kept after Jesus, after Jesus, after Jesus. In fact, when you see the parables that Jesus taught about prayer, it's an amazing thing that he kept emphasizing that there is a persistence in our praying. There's something about being persistent in that prayer, staying with that situation, hanging on, staying in there, keeping after. Don't give up. What did he say? He said, listen, always seek, always knock, always do, always those things. You keep asking, you keep seeking, you keep knocking. Well, Lord, why don't you grant it quick? Well, because the problem is it is not so much he's he's reluctant to answer my prayer I am reluctant to do what he wants me to do in order to meet it. That's a tough place. We want to get out of the barn. We want to get out of the fix. We want everything to take it easy. You know, I remember, it happened here right in Mobile. I remember for a long time, I was one of those, get a little pious about this thing. I said, well, you know, Lord, I I just don't believe God can save a drunk. I think he's got to get sober. Well, you know what God will do? God will back you in a corner. And he'll say, well, you won't seem to learn it any other way, so I'm going to show you something. Here was a man. He was drunk. He was very drunk. I watched. God is my witness. I watched God. I watched the Holy Spirit of God move into that man's life, bring him to repentance, bring him to faith in Jesus Christ, and sober him up for the glory of God. So, all I know is, look, I don't know where your need is today. I don't know where you are. You may not be blind, but you may be just, hopefully, just as desperate as Barnabas is, and you're at that point saying, man, I've done it, but I'm tired. I'm ready to quit. Hang on. Don't you quit. Don't you quit. You may be a split second away from a breakthrough. You need to keep going. You need to keep on seeking. You need to keep crying, son of David, have mercy on me. But the amazing thing he did, he said, what do you want me to do for you? And he said, listen, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. Look what Jesus said in verse 52. And he said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and he followed Jesus on the way. Wow. What did he do? He followed Jesus. He followed Jesus. He said, Lord, your way is my way. Somehow, and listen, when our praying is this, are we going to say, Lord, I'll do it your way? But you know what? Some of our praying, it goes a little like this. Lord, would you give me more money? Why? You're not willing to use it like I lead you to use it now. Why should I give you more to keep living in disobedience? God, will you not give me greater health? Why, you're not using your health now for my glory. You're not taking care of yourself. If he gave you, would he do it? Lord, I need more time. Then what in the world would you do with the time? We've got all the time we need. It's just a matter we need to stop doing it. We are becoming a people who have great thumbs and poor ears. We're clickety, clickety, clickety. Go in a restaurant and watch a family today, would you? You say, hey, preacher, you're meddling. Well, so be it. Put the stupid things in your pocket. Talk to each other. It's a dying, you know, conversation's a dying art. It's a dying art. Writing is a dying art. 
We're going to have some of the smartest, technically savvy people in the world that cannot carry on a conversation. Why? Because we talk with our thumbs. And we talk in that new language called text. Abbreviation. Somebody said, are you on Instagram? No. I don't need Instagram. I got enough instant stuff anyway. Well, it's Instagram. I don't even know how to do no, We don't do that. What do you want Jesus to do? You know, you came here today. You walked into this building. What did you come here expecting? When you came here today and you brought that need, let me ask you a question. Did you come just thinking, well, you know what? Brother Fred's going to preach that sermon, and it's going to be great, and I'm going to walk out of here. Man, I heard a great sermon. Wonderful. But I'm going to tell you something. Listen, I believe when we come into this house, and we come with an expectant heart like Barnabas, and we cry out, Son of David, have mercy on me, I believe we leave here not saying, I heard a great sermon. Or not saying, man, that choir was phenomenal. Man, Ed Lacey rang the bell. Did you hear that song? Oh, that's great. We're going to leave here. My, what a Savior. My, what I encountered. My, he encouraged my heart. Who? Jesus did. Will we meet him or will we ignore him? I don't know where you are today, but I know one thing. Wherever you are today, the hope you have is in Jesus Christ as your Lord. He will forgive your sins. He will cleanse your life. He will fill you with his spirit. He will come and live in your life. And yes, your circumstances may not get a bit better, but I'm going to tell you something. In the midst of that circumstance, you're going to have one who will walk with you through them and give you victory because of them. And the world about you will see that there's the glory of God in your life.